2: They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the 1972 Munich Olympic Massacre. Here's what you need to know. The 1972 Munich Olympics became the setting of a new battle in a decades-long war between Palestine and Israel, who both lay claim to land that has been under Israeli control since 1967. The fight for the West Bank and Gaza Strip displaced over 700,000 Palestinians and was the backdrop for the formation of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, or PLO, made up of small groups of political activists whose mission was to restore Arab Palestine by means of destroying Israel. In 1970, an offshoot of the PLO was formed, called the Black September Organization, BSO. The name came from the Black September conflict which occurred when the PLO attempted to overthrow the Kingdom of Jordan that same year. By 1972, the BSO turned their sights to Munich, where they would carry out their next attack on Israel. At 4.30 on the morning of September 5, 1972, five BSO members wearing tracksuits jumped the six-and-a-half-foot fence surrounding Munich's Olympic village, with weapons hidden in their bags. Several people saw the men hop the fence, but thought nothing of it, as athletes routinely did the same. Having secured credentials, three other members of the BSO were waiting inside the village. Together, the eight men used stolen keys to enter two apartments housing the Israeli Olympic team. The masked and armed intruders were met with resistance as some of the Israeli athletes fought back, allowing for a few of their teammates to escape or hide. Ultimately, the terrorists were able to capture nine Israeli hostages. At 9.30 a.m., the attackers identified themselves as Palestinians and made their demands. They wanted Israel to release 200 Arab prisoners and the guarantee of their own safe passage out of Germany. After several hours of negotiation, the Palestinians agreed to be transported to a NATO airbase at Furstenfeldbruck, where they would be given an airplane to fly with hostages to Cairo. During the transfer to the airbase, the German law enforcement discovered that there were eight terrorists rather than the five they had thought. They had planned to assassinate the terrorists at the airport, but had only assigned enough marksmen for five targets. This didn't stop the Germans from trying, and a bloody firefight ensued at their airbase around 10.30 p.m. The media mistakenly reported that the hostages had been saved shortly after the initial fire. But that was far from the truth. Around midnight, more fighting broke out and a helicopter holding some hostages was blown up by a grenade. The remaining hostages in a second helicopter were shot to death by a Palestinian. By 3 a.m., Jim McKay of ABC News accurately reported the tragic outcome, announcing they're all gone.
1: When I was a kid, my father used to say, our greatest hopes and our worst fears are Mm. seldom realized. Our worst fears have been realized tonight. They've now said that there were 11 hostages, two were killed in their rooms yesterday morning. Nine were killed at the airport tonight. They're all gone.
2: Fun Facts, aka Death Stats. Israeli wrestling coach Moshe Weinberg and weightlifter Yosef Romano were both killed in the apartment when the Palestinian terrorists broke in. The remaining hostages were killed in the bloody firefight at the NATO airbase. Their names were Zev Friedman, weightlifter. David Berger, weightlifter. He survived the grenade but died of smoke inhalation. Yakov Springer, weightlifting judge. Elizer Halfen, wrestler. Josef Gutfreund, wrestling referee. Kahat Shore, shooting coach. Mark Slavin, wrestler. Andre Spitzer, fencing coach. Amatsur Shapira, track coach. Anton Fleigerbauer, a West German police officer, was also killed in the firefight, as well as five Palestinian members of Black September. In retaliation, Israel bombed 10 PLO bases in Syria and Lebanon two days after the Munich massacre, resulting in the deaths of an estimated 200 militants and 11 civilians. Israeli Prime Minister Meir ordered two more operations in retaliation. Operation Spring of Youth, an aerial assault on suspected terrorist camps that killed between 12 to 100 Palestinians, two Israeli soldiers, two Lebanese police officers, and four civilians. And Operation Wrath of God, a precision assassination program that may have lasted as long as 20 years, killing by some accounts 11 PLO members by other accounts, as many as 18. In July of 1973, the operation took down Ahmed Bouchiki, a target who turned out to be an innocent Moroccan. With us today, we have producer Amanda Lund. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Alarmy. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And our returning guest is Kate Casey, host of Reality Life with Kate Casey. Hi, Kate. Hi, how are you? Good. How many times can I say Kate in one sentence? <laughs> <laughs> um, now, we'd like to start off our show always by asking our guests, what's something that's recently alarming you, keeping you up at night, giving you loads of anxiety?
3: The idea of Olympians who have trained their entire lives not being able to compete because they tested positive for COVID. Like, that's stressing me out. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, what recently, what is it like uh, uh, 10, 10 I, I think like in the last day, 10 Olympians or, or athletes, so. American athletes have been yeah. uh, sent back or something like that. I mean, just imagine it's your life's work. Well, also because these
3: athletes are basically working minimum wage jobs because they can only get jobs that allow them to work certain crazy hours because of their training schedule. And they're oftentimes working jobs for the companies that sponsor them. So maybe they're working at Home Depot or they're working like retail jobs. And on top of that, some of them, like on the soccer team, their parents, and they're managing all these things, Their, their schedules are insane. And then to work your whole life and then get up to that moment and then to be told you can't compete, like that's just beyond heartbreaking. Horrible. Yeah. yeah,
2: I feel like we should just jump right in because I know we have so much to cover, Kate, and I know yeah. that you've you've been obsessed with this obsessed topic for a very long time. Yeah, what what sparked this
3: obsession? I watched a documentary in probably the year two thousand called One Day in September, directed by Kevin McDonald. and it. You know how sometimes you read a book or you listen to something or or you watch something and it just stays with you. You're watching something, you're reading something, and it feels so deeply familiar to you and you don't understand why. Hmm. That is how I felt when I watched it. It was like I was watching it and I felt like somebody was going through my body. Like it was just familiar to me. Now that it's the Olympics, I think about it every four years because the International Olympic Committee has really kind of been so embarrassed by what happened that they never have really acknowledged those athletes. In the in the London Olympics Bob cost us for 12 minutes when the Israeli athletes walked in for the opening ceremony he kept silent and that was his own small way of acknowledging what had happened to them Wow but it's been a re, it's been a lifelong frustration of the Israeli athletes families um, so I'm always mindful of it especially during Olympic time so as we approached the Olympics I thought you know, that's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. And I need to track down the director cause, because I have to ask him about how this was made. So I tracked him down in London this week and got a chance to talk to him. And I actually sent I found one of the Israeli athlete's uh, wives. Uh And I found his her nephew and he gave me her WhatsApp number and I reached (laughs) out to her like, wow, it's almost this game for me now of like I have to contact them because I just there's something about the story that just feels so uh, familiar to me. And I'm like still all these years later, just so in uh, so much in disbelief that this happened on air and that 900 million people across the globe watched 11 athletes in an Olympic village kept hostage and that f- mere feet away, people were playing ping pong. That
2: is extremely disturbing when I believe that. Yeah. Um, I think what you're saying, which I, I, I connect with as well is, is the fact that something at such a like large scale and so public happened and we are not discussing it as much anymore. Um it just feels like one of those events that uh, I mean I mean we do we do talk about it and we do know about it but it, it, it but you're right it's like we should be reminded of it um yeah every 4 years <laughs> at least Espe- at the very least especially when you
3: start peeling back the layers of the story and it's so such a part of the last century's history in terms of the end of the World War the role of Germany how we honored Israelis um, or anybody who was Jewish with relatives. Many of those uh, athletes were like, had, had been uh, victims of the Holocaust, if not their own immediate family. And also to remind ourselves that 10 days before this happened, those Israeli athletes left flowers at the Dachau concentration camp for those that had perished during World War II, during the Holocaust. And that they had, ju- and that was a, a just a couple miles away from the Olympic Stadium. And that all, like these days later, that this would happen. And also, Andre Spitzer, who was uh-huh, the fencer, yeah. he had gone home, gone home to a or to his in-laws' home in Holland during the middle of the Olympics to go visit his his wife and his new baby, his baby daughter, and he almost missed the train. To go back because his wife said to him, "Go back! I don't want you to get in trouble with the team." Oof. And Oof. and that idea of like the sliding door, like what if oh. he had just missed that train? For some reason, his story too, that story of Andre somehow and his wife just really like hits hits me in a way that the other ones. Um,
2: I don't know. I don't know why. So why don't we start off by putting something up on the board that uh, you you mentioned, which was the um, the Olympic Committee um, for just how they handled not just the security uh, but but the games during while the 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 hostages were still alive and and and, well, yeah. and in the apartment. I can yeah. speak
3: I can speak to that. So to to give some reference to it, these were billed as the Olympics of pure joy and hope. And Germany was very mindful of the imagery from the 1936 Berlin Olympics with Adolf Hitler. And that people really saw Germany as this, you know, huge devilish superpower. And so they were on this mission to show that they were a place of peace and hope and erase it, not erase history, but just change, you know, change everyone's image. So they went almost way too far, you know, to the, to the right or the left by not having pretty much any security because they were so scared of the propaganda of the 36 Olympics. So when, when the terrorists were, were looking into this event, there was almost no security in the Olympic Village at all, and so it, you will see it in one day in September. They, he he found the one surviving terrorist and interviewed him, and he said that he broke into the Olympics. It was they were it was so easy for them because American athletes, and I wish I could find those athletes and ask them about this, but if they could remember, but there were um, uh, drunk American athletes who helped that lift their feet over the fence. Oh. They just walked up. And lifted them over the fence, and that's how they got in because they went into the apartment at 4:30 a.m. So you can imagine, you know, people were kind of like out of sorts, partying,
2: right, right, as as these young al-
3: athletes do at the Olympics. And there are some parallels also when I when I listen to the story again of just how like the 9/11 terrorists had assimilated in American culture, the is the Palestinian terrorists did the same. They had actually attended some of the Olympic events in the days before. Is wow. their way of casing wow. out? So the imagery of um, there was a volleyball event that they went to and you're they, they pan the audience of that event because the director found this gentleman in California who had an archive of all the Olympic footage from 72. And he basically said, here you go. So they were able to find oh, wow. video from that volleyball. And if you pan, I'm sure if somebody had like a eagle eye view, they would see that somewhere in that audience were some of those terrorists. And they had, so they had been there. And so we think about the Olympics now and how, especially after 9-11, how we're so cognizant of security. There was almost zero security at the 1972 Munich Olympics.
2: So I feel feel like we should then put, let's put Hitler up on the board. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just because, you know...
0: any chance we can get. Any
2: chance we can get. And 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 beca- it's because of what you're saying, Kate. It's that fear of not wanting to come off mm-hmm. as the nineteen thirty six Olympics. Yeah, to know they didn't want anybody to even see a shot of a gun of right. anything. Nothing. I read there was two million dollars spent on security that year, and then the next year security budget was a hundred and a hundred million. Yeah. <laughs> so only two million spent that year bumped up to a hundred million. Crazy. That wow. says a lot. Now we've got Hitler, we've got the Olympic Committee, and not just that, but like I, I, for for the reasons you said. But I, I was also shocked to learn that they didn't stop the games until twelve hours after the incident had already started. No,
3: that is another thing. Imagine <laughs> if that happened today. Because no, the other thing is the other thing, and the director pointed this out to me, and I was like, "Oh, that's another part I forgot about." Is that these countries spend so much money to host? That the train is moving, right? Mm. That they're spending so much money. So there's not only the fear of the German government of like, well, how is this going to look when we've just been, you know, the center of Hitler's uh, Nazi party? And now we have to stop it because there's another terrorist attack or there's a terrorist attack. Mm. But also... There's all this money going on, sponsorship. Right. And if we right. stop it, we're Capitalism. losing out of money. Capitalism. So <laughs> that was the Throw other part. I, when the director said, I was like, oh, yeah. Because I think of a country like Tokyo right now and all, all the amount of time and money, it's wild. So much writing yeah. on it. Let's,
2: let, yeah. Let's also put uh, German security officials up on the board. Now, this is in July 2012, German magazine Der Der Spiegel, I probably said Der Spiegel. That wrong. Yeah, Der Spiegel uh, reported that Germany had in fact been warned about the possibility of a Palestinian terrorist attack at the games, but took no action to secure the Olympic Village. Previously classified documents from investigative officials, embassy dispatches, and cabinet protocols released to Spiegel by the Chancellery, Foreign Office, and State and Federal Intelligence Agencies have revealed the lengths to which officials went to hide their mistakes. That's true. On on August 14, 1972, a German embassy officer in Beirut heard that quote an incident would be staged by the by from the Palestinian side during the Olympic Games in Munich. 4 days later, the foreign office Uh, forwarded the warning to the state intelligence agency in Bavaria, along with the recommendations to, quote, take all possible available security measures against such an attack. Security agencies didn't even register warnings that appeared in the press on September 2nd, three days ahead of the deadly hostage taking. The Italian publication Gente uh, wrote the terrorists from the Black September are planning a sensational act during the Olympic Games. So they, they, they wrote this in, a, in the press. A few days afterward, a chief police commissioner seized information concerning 26 potential crisis scenarios for the Munich Olympics, which had been prepared by a police psychologist to aid in preparing a security mm-hmm. concept for the Games. One of the scenarios involved an attack by Palestinian terrorists at the Olympic Village. The documents are still missing today. I mean,
3: it was an epic
2: level fumbling of the
3: german authorities and the other thing i just can't believe about this is that while this is going on jim mckay is the sportscaster for the the american television network and he's forced to basically give people updates there are 900 million people across the globe watching this and these german authorities are such morons that they have Germans uh, police officers dress up in track suits to pretend they're athletes and to climb up on the buildings to do, to kind of, to break in. But what they forgot is that included in the 900 million people watching throughout the globe were the terrorists. So <laughs> they're exactly watching right. this on television. Like I Dick, like you're th- there's guy right there. Let's- they also had two officers or uh, pretend they were chefs because the terrorists asked for food so they had them dress up in big chef hats to show up and then so isa which was the main negotiator he had his face covered in shoe polish he was he would come down he's a little guy and there, so people across the globe are watching this guy with shoe polish come outside and talk and negotiate and they're all like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh okay oh you want food so they have the two chefs come up they just drop off food and then they walk away it's like you did nothing. You did. You did nothing. Let's put TVs up on the board as well as just
2: media horrible. coverage. Can
3: you imagine? <laughs> I, so I can't get past. It, 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 this had happened at the Tokyo Olympics, and we were all watching this live. And then the the person that's pro, 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 um, providing the American public with the the d- ongoing details
2: is a sportscaster sadly that's one of the reasons why th- so much misinformation happened towards the end right where he mm-hmm. did announce that they were okay and then of course hours later he had he to said, break the news that it was they like were they're actually all, gone. all gone yeah also, um, there, there was of the
3: 11 Israeli athletes there was one named David who was on the wrestling team and he had he was an american who had moved to israel and he was from Shaker Heights, Ohio. So that was the one, like, Jim really clung to that story when he was explaining this to the American public, what was going on. And people really clung to the hope because they there was one athlete that was an American. So they were just,
2: like, waiting to see, like, what is
3: happening. Ah.
0: Hmm.
2: Well, let, let's put the rescue effort up on the board while we're at it. Yeah. Because I think we can all agree it was pretty botched. Um, According to Eye for an Eye, Israel's swift and devastating response to the Munich massacre at the 1972 Olympic Games by Benjamin Mapes, the German rescue effort was and continues to be heavily criticized. First, Mossad chief Zvi Zamir and his... Mm -hmm aid were both on the scene during the attempted rescue, but neither was consulted as the uh, as to the manner in which the situation would be handled. Second, the German police were completely unprepared to handle a terrorist situation. The yeah. snipers were not trained as sharpshooters. The riot police were mm-hmm. not equipped to handle nope. uh, sixty two millimeter rounds. Uh, armored vehicles were not ordered to the airport until 10 minutes into the shooting. Right. Most tragically the helicopter that was grenaded was left to burn until the terrorists were neutralized upon investigation mm-hmm. afterwards autopsy results show that David Berger was not killed as a result of the exploding grenade but from smoke inhalation, inhalation. from the burning helicopter that's David,
3: that's David who was the yeah. American from Shaker Heights you can one thing you can never forget again I, I go back to like I was actually told about the story when we were when we were little and, I, and then I saw the documentary. But my mom would always talk to us kids about how powerful Golda Meir was. She was the prime minister of Israel at the time, Mm. this older woman, and she was a badass. So imagine she is the prime minister of Israel. This is all going on. And they said to her, the terrorists want you to release all these prisoners and they'll give us back Israeli athletes. And she's like, this is a no-win situation. So it was her decision. I, we will not, negotiate with these people we will not release any prisoners and because of it you know that's on your conscience. like could could they have been saved probably not but that was a big statement and she was a female prime minister at the time and so she was the one who called after all this for the Mossad to find all those those terrorists and they went after the Mossad which is the movie Munich is based on
2: right they're like
3: we will kill every single one that killed an Israeli, and so I, I I hope that people also get a chance to kind of go down the rabbit hole of learning more about Golda Meir. She was a badass prime minister, a great a great female leader in our world history. God, what a that's, hard that's, choice. That that's, is <laughs> that's the house I grew up in. My mom talking to me about Golda Meir. <laughs> she was like, you guys, she was a badass. But uh, you think about that that. If that happened right now, like if an American president, you know, if Joe Biden had that, are are we going to go and re, are, would he release prisoners for for athletes? Right. That exchange, like that's a that is an, an immeasurably difficult decision one would have to make. Yeah.
0: Be. In a, in a, and in a sense, it tied the hands of the German negotiators, right? Where they they would yeah. offer they All they did was offer money all that's all they could offer in return in exchange for the prisoners, right, and they yeah. were the ones that were the chief negotiators
3: so the director also told me in my interview that there they found out afterwards that the Germans released or the Germans were told by the the terrorists like if you, if you do this for us, basically, if you, if you don't like kind of come after us that we will never come back to Germany and we will, you know, we'll leave the country alone. We won't come back and do a terrorist attack. So there's also reason to believe that that they were somewhat complicit because they were terrified of like another German event to happen. And they, again, were so intent. There was this intent to just protect the country after the misery of the of the Holocaust.
2: Wow. That's, that's wild. <laughs> I, I feel like we can't continue to do this episode without at least putting the black September organization yeah. on the board. <laughs> oh, but you <laughs> yes. know what, But that, so another thing that I was talking
3: to the director about was, yeah, and I think we can all kind of like now uh, I, I think we all are looking at this in a totally different way than we would in 1985 after nine right. 11. And, learning more about the plight of people in the, that part of the world who are born into poverty and why they choose violence. And the yeah. director said, so the director, when he was putting this together, he, got, he, got, he read an article about it, um, about uh, Andre Spitzer's wife Anki. And that yeah. is where the decision to the, make the documentary was built out of. And as he started research, it was like a person told a person told a person that came back to him and said, we know where the living Palestinian terrorist is. That was Jamal al-Gashi. He had to go. He kept flying to different parts of, uh, of, the, of Africa and Libya to interview him. And he would fly somewhere and then he would flake on him because Jamal al-Gashi has been living in hiding since 1972 because people want him dead. He's still alive, by the way. So, oh, wow. so the director would fly to Libya. Now, can you imagine? He flies across the world, and then he doesn't show up. So this <laughs> went on for, for like two years. Then he finally interviews him, and as you would see in the documentary, he's got a mustache on, he's got uh, a face covering. Uh-huh. You know what else I realized is that when you look at fitted footage of Jamal al-Gashi, the way his, his look is, just the sharp features – he reminds me so much of Mohammed Atta of um who was the main terrorist on 9-11. It's just sort of like an eerie similarity, but Jamal Al-Gashi in the in the video is 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 short kind of shrouded and but he's talking and he by the way he doesn't feel bad about it at all. And he mm-hmm. goes into the story of like I was a refugee my whole life. And the director said he went back and he and he interviewed Jamal's family. Uh-huh. And he realized that they were refugees back four generations. So they're in a refugee um, camp. They're in this life of constant poverty. And he said, being there doesn't dismiss what Jamal did, but it makes you have some understanding of why people choose violence. Right.
2: Yeah. Because
3: they, they were so angry, so angry. So even all those years later, Jamal did not feel bad at all for what had happened. And he's still alive, by the way, living and hiding in northern Africa.
2: I I think it's really important that we touch on and and put this up on the board. Uh, Violence met with violence. Yeah. Um, Violent or destructive acts are often blanketed Blanketly condemned without recognizing a larger history of violence. Israel was formed not by diplomacy, but by forcible displacement and attempts at peaceful negotiation have been wildly unsuccessful. Has land ever been acquired peacefully is the question. Black September militant Palestinian. Palestinianism by John B. Wolfe says Palestinians regard the conduct of an armed struggle against Israel as their only alternative to life and death in the refugee camps. Like you were saying, Kate, Uh, they are convinced that violence and terror against Israelis everywhere are their sole alternative to disenfranchisement. Uh, uh, Regardless of past and possible future setbacks, they are committed to the conduct of a A protracted war in spite of its threat to the very fabric of civilization itself. The Black September organization, believed to be the super secret arm of the Palestinian umbrella guerrilla organization known as Fatah, uh, strives to focus attention on the plight of the Arab refugees and to remind the international community that its spectacular acts of terrorism will continue without end until justice for the Palestinian community is obtained we're putting that up on the board i just feel like like what you were saying that it there are of course so many sides it, it doesn't you know the act the 1972 munich massacre happened mm-hmm. and it was a violent um you know attack um but, there's, but like you're saying, there's so much history back behind it. Chris, I, I know that there was one uh, thing you wanted to also put up on the board.
0: Uh, from my research, I f- found out that the Olympic organizers in, in Munich wanted particularly to reduce security measures because of this massacre that had happened in 1968 in Mexico City. There were these peaceful protests going on. Um, sort of ongoing protests going on leading up to the uh, 1968 uh, Olympics. And the Mexican, Mexico and the Institutional Revolutionary Party fired on unarmed students who had gathered in uh, Tlatelolco, is a section of of Mexico City. Um, 200 some odd died. Thousands were injured, including people that just happened to live there. Um, wow. And anyway, as a result, the Olympic Games really the security was really sort of trumped up, like uh, or or juiced juiced up. It was like there was a lot of security. Okay, so and this was of,
2: these were the Olympics bef- the, right before, and that sort
0: of defined those Olympics. And Germany, as a reaction to that, wanted to give off the sort of opposite imp- impression. Well, that's right.
3: Should we put like optics on the board? Something like um, yeah. oh yeah, like yeah. like obsession with optics. Yeah, sure. it's almost yeah.
0: like Olympics as PR. No, it
3: really was. And then Anki says that uh, when she was at the Olympics that Andre saw the team from Lebanon and he said, I'm going to go over and say hi. And she's like, I don't think that's a good idea. I mean, he's wearing his Israeli tracksuit. She's like, I don't think it's good. And he looks at her and he goes, that is the point of the Olympics. That we're all coming together. So he, sure enough, he walks over and he introduces himself and he goes, ask them, how did your event go? And they had this really nice conversation and he and she's like bracing herself, and he walks back over, and he looks at her, and he goes, "See, I told you Olympics bring people together
2: mm. Mm. jeez let's let's put our our listener uh recommendation up on the board. This is coming from at these aren't the Jays you're looking for, <laughs> probably the British." to be honest. But you could put Hitler up there too. The British did a bang-up job of carving up the Middle East post-Second World War, and that coupled with the creation of the State of Israel as a place to where the displaced uh, Jews would go, uh, and that, uh, oh, by the way, other countries didn't want to take. So the British Empire... Hitler, which is already up on the board, and anti-Semitism. Um, so I think what the, uh, they're speaking about is is the British involvement in World War II, um, mm. and and ha- and all the post World War II, um, you know, colonialism, which we've discussed that happened um, in in the Middle East. It's just
3: so darn complicated and heartbreaking. Yeah. You just it's like you unravel one piece, and it just causes more. Complications. It's you know. It's also I. W- I was always a very big fan of Peter Jennings, who was a Canadian reporter who was responsible for World News Tonight in uh-huh. America, because he said that he had done quite a bit of work and study in Middle East. And so when he got the job at ABC, he told the brass, like Americans don't care about anybody but themselves. Your news is all very sent about, you know, America. So he made the news called world news tonight and would purposely cover world news. And, and so, and I loved him. So he was a great reporter. And so when you're looking back at the footage and you hear him reporting, mm. um, you just think about, I just thought here was a reporter who was so mindful of the complications of the Middle East, um, international, political um you know spectrum and he's trying to get people around the world to understand the backstory of why those these athletes and the terrorists had been in this situation and it was just way over everybody's heads Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean this. I, I don't know if we can actually blame this for the the, the Munich massacre, but I do think uh, our lack of international uh, understanding, uh, maybe mm-hmm. the understanding of of like world history. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's also media. The media's fault. It's sort of just um, mm, I don't know how you just national centric media coverage Uh,
2: um, that's a good way of putting it the media has been on the board since the very beginning (laughs) i feel like we have a lot up on the board uh let's take a quick break and then we'll start knocking things off
1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? h-e-l-p dot com slash alarmist
0: who is to blame for the 1972 munich olympic massacre the olympic committee hitler capitalism german security officials tvs media coverage the rescue effort black september organization violence met with violence tlatelolco massacre in mexico
2: tlatelolco
0: Sorry. No, you.
2: Can't. <laughs>
0: Olympics, Olympics as PR, the British Empire, or not enough world history.
2: I feel like just right off the bat, we could probably take TVs off. <laughs> what do you think?
0: Well, it kind of gets rolled into media coverage. Media. Is, I That's think true. what we're talking <laughs> yeah. about, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, Perhaps also not enough world history. I. I do think I want to go after that at some point and put it uh, in the alarmist jail, but maybe not for this event. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that not to sort of digress, but world history, I guess if, if when you think about it, it's maybe easier to teach. Uh, your own national history, because you can control the narrative a bit more, <laughs> even though that's, you know, even that is sort of problematic like up, up for grabs and problematic. But in terms of world history, there's perspectives you probably are are really difficult to understand. Um, so anyway, it's it, a little meta. It's yeah you know what I
2: mean. So I don't think I Yeah,
3: we might want to be more specific for this one. <laughs>
0: Can I also throw one more thing up? Uh yeah. Which is, uh, I'm throwing myself under the bus as a lover of the theater. Okay. Which is, the show must go on. The oh, saying, "The show must go gosh. on." Gosh. Because. Yeah. <laughs> because, uh, wh- at what point do you stop everything and say, "No, this is"? I this think is I think a hostage cr-
2: at a host during a hostage crisis, but that
0: didn't happen.
2: I know. No. It's which wild. Is just
0: what's so wild?
2: Well, that goes into Olympics as PR. Oh, right. yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, right. so we can fold that into Olympics as PR. Uh, so up on the board, taken down uh, <laughs> right away.
0: <laughs> I'm used to it.
2: <laughs> um, I mean, I, I feel like the rescue effort could be folded into the German security officials. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, because this preparation, and then when, especially when you... Lack of preparation. Yeah, the right, lack exactly. of preparation. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Um, I also feel like the Black September organization could be folded into violence met with violence.
3: I mean, if you come down, who's the blame? The number one person, people are the terrorists. They are uh, the ones who invaded yes. invaded an Olympic village, took took athletes, and ended up being responsible for their murder.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, uh, I yeah. Mean. I
2: think we got to keep them up a little bit longer. <laughs> oh, oh.
0: <laughs> for sure. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. We can take the uh, the Mexican uh, the Tataloco Olco. Uh, massacre off And perhaps the British Empire I get what they're I think Hitler is more to blame Than the British Empire Just for for this one Yeah I mean Hitler is to blame For the German res- Like
3: response In some ways But for the actual like Palestinian-Israeli Conflict that got us to the point I guess it is more the British Empire
2: But I agree that it can still come off Either way Mm-hmm. How about the me- media coverage? I feel like we can fold that into Olympics as PR. Yes. Yeah. And capitalism as well.
1: can yeah. Go into because because that's what that is, is. Yeah. It, yeah. It's yeah. like
0: Kate was saying they made such an investment in the in the Olympics that they were sort of mm-hmm. protecting along their...
2: with Olympic Committee. I think.
0: Yeah, it's true. It all kind of. Well,
2: kind of... what do you think? Yeah, Kate? I, well, it kind
3: of broaches both because. The Olympic Committee, they didn't want to acknowledge it because it was bad PR. Mm. But I also see that the Olympic Committee was complicit with the with the fumbling of the German security officials and the government. Mm. Because this continued well after the Olympics. Well, first of all, they wanted to get them. The minute the terrorists were like, well, if you don't release the prisoners, we're going to go to the uh, we want to go to an airport. They were like, great, let's do it. Right. Because they wanted them off the, the out of the village and off, you know, Mm. off the TVs. So um, so it kind of folds into that. um, And then every four years afterwards, they refused to acknowledge it. Ah. So this continued on and on, and that's PR. It's PR for the Olympics, it's PR for the country, but it's also a way of covering for the the lack of uh, security uh, that that was implemented by not just the German... um, your, your, not not just by the Olympic Committee, but also by the German government.
2: So I, yeah. I feel like the two of them, it, it, we have to put those two together because I feel like they're equally to blame. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, roll, I think either one works. So which one do you guys like better, Olympic Committee or Olympics as PR? I, I was thinking the German security officials and the Olympic Committee could be one. <laughs> oh, okay.
3: The Olympic Committee for me is with German security officials because the Olympic Committee continues to be just disgusting.
2: Yeah. So so
3: let's all. They are absolute horrible people for what they've done to those families. And by the way, they sued them. And it was like by the time that the director interviewed them in 1999, those those families had sued the Olympic Committee and still had not received any settlement. Wow. And and there and there is a memorial now for them. In Munich, but that came, you know, like decades afterwards, and still the Olympic Committee would not won't acknowledge what happened. That so is
2: crazy. No, it, mm-hmm. it the lack of acknowledgement is really, uh, I, I just don't understand. Um, we, we so right now we have the the Olympic Committee up. We've got Hitler up on the board. Black September organization. Uh, slash the terrorists uh, violence met with violence and Olympic as PR. So we've got to pick out of these five, one thing to send to jail and one thing to give the big slap to. I do think we do need to, I, I mean, are we going to let Hitler off the hook for this one? I don't think so.
3: <laughs> I mean, I, I, I less of him. It's more of the, the obsession of the Olympic officials. Like, Let's sweep sweep it up. Wow. Um, So,
2: so yeah. So, so do we,
3: because this was really about a Middle Eastern, uh, refugee displacement. It was more of that issue and less about Hitler and his Nazi regime. It was more about that. And also the Hitler connection is also more tailored to the role of the officials trying to erase the propaganda of the 36th Berlin
2: Olympics. I do think we do need to send the the black September terrorists to the alarmist jail for this one. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah.
0: Hard not to do that.
2: Um, but the other one, the other potential would be the Olympic Committee mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. What do you think about doing that, Kate? I just absolutely hate the
3: Olympic Committee. Like I just I'm really I'm so I'm still so angry at them. I really am. Well So would you prefer to send them to jail? We can do that. The BSO? (laughs) That's allowed. Oh my God. I I mean, they're not as bad as Black September, but I mean, you know, when you do everything in your power to erase a historical event like that. You're just, to me, you're just as complicit as they are.
2: And and in a in a way, Kate, I I've, I agree with you in the sense that they they denied the fact that there was conflict. They had this in, in, or mm-hmm. like information that a potential attack was going to happen and they just didn't want to deal with it you're yeah yeah like the idea of like bringing all these countries together is very ideal also but don't like, forget so it's the, the before part where they
3: were they were armed with information that they ignored and of course mm-hmm. afterwards that they never gave a settle they didn't want to give a settlement to the families or acknowledge them publicly but really the worst part was that they allowed this whole thing to go on and continued with the Olympic games. So let's it's talk insane. about the PTSD of the uh, athletes. Remember these were the, uh, the Olympics that Mark Spitz won all those Olympic medals mm-hmm. for, for us swimming and Bruce Jenner won the decathlon. Oh Wow. So Bruce Jenner and Mark Spitz are performing and people are just going on with their lives. Although this is going on at the same time, so that's despicable that she would continue with the games while this was going on. Also, Mark Spitz is Jewish, so he didn't get to participate in the rest of the Olympics. The American officials got him, put him in a car, and take, took him to the airport and flew him out of the country because wow. they were afraid that he was going to be kidnapped and killed. Oh, wow. So you have that issue that's going on, and then you have other countries with Jewish athletes that were terrified that they were all going to be murdered, but you're
2: continuing with the games. Yeah, and 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 they, they just were not prepared. They weren't prepared. They weren't listening to world history. They weren't listening to world, international world news mm. as they should have because they should have. Well, they weren't listening to their inner conscience
3: that goes, there are people who are – Watching their loved ones kept hostage, and there is oh. Also, do you know that there was a? a de- they threw one of the bodies over the the. Oh uh, no! They threw them over the balcony. Oh no! So there's also a dead body outside. Oh no! <sighs> um, and there are athletes, a couple, you know, like hundred buildings meters away. away. Yeah,
2: they're playing ping pong. Yeah, that's Crazy. okay. I I I think if you guys are agree i'm going to send the olympic committee to the alarmist jail for this one and slap the bso
0: i have to push back against that (laughs) (laughs) i i mean the 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 black september organization was a terrorist organization Well, why can't we send both they're the result of the i i I think it's like the ultimate tragedy is the law is this horrific loss of life and there are subsidiary tragedies Mm -hmm. that that occurred around those tragedies and we need to acknowledge those. And those are significant and important, but the actions of the black September organization resulted in the death of these, yes. of these men. And, yeah. and, uh, they should be, <laughs> we need, they should put an <laughs> RV. Part right. Part.
3: I, I think, I mean, I think what are we're all saying is that there, you have to look at the broader context of how this, res, how this event yeah. occurred, yeah. given, um, the events of world history, But ultimately, breaking into an Olympic village and shooting athletes and keeping them against their will, blindfolding them and bringing them to an airport without them having any idea where they're going is 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 evil
2: beyond measure.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to call it the Olympic Committee. You're getting the big slap. The Black September organization. You're going to the alarmist jail. Well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, honest to
3: God, do you, does this make you feel like you're going to look at the Olympics different?
2: Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. That's the,
3: that's the thing. I swear to God, ever since 1999, I watch every Olympics. I'm like, all right, I hope during the Olympic or the opening or closing ceremonies will be some sort of acknowledgement. I'm telling you, they will not do it. The people that were there in 72, the Olympic committee people have long gone. Yeah. They still will not do anything.
1: So this is what we need.
3: So what we need to do today is just in our own way, honor those 11 athletes and their families. And I'm thinking of Anki Spitzer's daughter, Anouk, who was one years old when her father was murdered. And, And like, I'm thinking of her and then her children that never got to meet their grandfather. It's like all these people that were affected because of the, the fumbling of so many officials yeah. And then I'm also mindful of all those people that w- had to witness that. 900 million people witnessed that and how that never left their consciousness. Yeah. And, yeah. and how we oh, the best we could do is in, in ensure that we always protect athletes and that we honor the names of those that have died. I'm going to do that today.
2: Yeah. I think that's I think that's a really good idea. Well, Kate, You just love to come on this show and. I do. Oh my God.
3: No, no, because uh, last time I was on and we talked the Romanovs. I was like, yeah. I was like, that's another one of my obsessions, too.
2: After the 1972 Munich Olympic massacre. 12 hours after the hostage crisis had started, the Munich games were suspended for 34 hours, and the victims were commemorated at a mass in the main stadium. IOC president Avery Brundage claimed he didn't want to let the terrorists win and famously insisted that the games must go on. A memorial for the victims in Munich's Olympic Park was opened to the public in September of 2017, which includes personal stories, items, and photos from each victim. The conflict over the West Bank and Gaza Strip continues to wreak havoc on the region, with four major wars between Israel and the Palestinian militant group Hamas since 2008, the most recent just months ago in May of 2021. Attempts to resolve the conflict continue on an international scale. Future peace between the two states will come at an unknown political cost, but the cost of human lives continues to rise as a solution to one of the world's longest running conflicts remains elusive. is to blame by going to the alarmistpodcast.com. follow us at the alarmist the on twitter at the alarmist podcast on instagram or email us at the alarmist at gmail.com tune in next week we're discussing the 16th century female serial killer elizabeth bathory